You know, I was just uh, talking to Brother Spillman and working with children and, and carrying on these conversations is so precious because, oh, we could learn so much. When you ask a question, they don't take time for theological reflection. They don't consult the early church fathers. They don't, they, all they do is tell you the simple truth. Amen? The simple truth. And, and I think we can learn so much about that, that the gospel, the gospel is a simple truth. It's a simple truth. But boy, the power of it when you believe. The transforming power of that simple, profound truth as, is, as explained through the mouths of these children this morning. That's powerful. That's powerful. Praise God for that. We got to quit complicating things, folks. Right? Yeah. yeah. A reminder on next week's schedule a great time of fellowship. Uh, it's obvious we enjoy the fellowship just by the evidence of that here this morning, and it's, uh, it's a precious time. Uh, so next week we'll have a little bit of that prior to church service. And, uh, and you can have a donut along with it. How's that? Yeah. I want to praise God for the, uh, for the prison ministry uh, that we've been allowed to participate in. Uh, folks, I wouldn't even begin to try to explain what happened at Lansing Correctional Facility Thursday night, but we had church. It was, it was beyond, well, the Holy Spirit just showed up again, and we were singing, all my hope is in Jesus, and that place was moved. Men were kneeling and crying out and praying and lifting holy hands. And it went so well, we sang it again for the invitation song. And it got even <laughs> more intense. Praise God for the lives that were changed on Thursday night. The old boy that plays a little electric, well, it's not a little electric drum set for us in the praise team grabbed a hold of me before service and just hugged on me and said to put my daddy in the ground next week. But he's okay. But he's okay. Another man that I've known for many years now in the BIVR program and, and uh, so on and so forth, kind of teary-eyed, and he said, brother, they, uh, he went for parole last month and, or earlier this month anyway. He said, they passed me over. He said, I got uh, 18 months before I'll see him again. Another man comes up after church and gives me a big old hug and says, I've got an outdate. I'm scheduled to be released on April 2024. I've been here 40 years where I've been in prison, incarcerated for 40 years. He said, I murdered a man back in 1978. And I've done my time. My mom's dying of cancer. And I want to get home to see her. If you get a chance and are led by the Holy Spirit to participate in that ministry, 
people say, well, what would I do? And my immediate response is, show up. Show up. God will fill in the blanks. He'll do the rest. All my hope is in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there is hope. And it's certainly not found in this world or anything of this world. There is hope. There is love. There is love. Because you, Father, you are love. And you demonstrated that love. And yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And today we're going to find out that there is joy. There is joy in salvation. So with these three in mind, Father, I pray that you be with all of those who are hurting, all of those that are healing, all of those who are going through difficult times and those who are rejoicing in the good times. Because apart from you, there really is no season of joy. There's no joy at all. But because of what Christ has done, this morning we rejoice. As the world falls apart around us, we rejoice because our hope is in you. Have your way in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen, amen. The Advent season, the time of waiting, the time of anticipation, as we have said earlier in the series, we are in the second Advent now. The first one has been fulfilled. Christ came, Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose. Christ is coming again, Advent number two. And one day, and maybe very soon, that will be fulfilled also. So how do we live a life of joy in a joyless world. The title of the sermon, Living Joyfully in a Bah Humbug World. Where does our joy come from? What is joy? Well, hopefully we'll at least in part answer some of that, but let's begin by the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in chapter 2 of Luke's account of the gospel message. If you would like to stand, Luke chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 8 through 20, and if you are able uh, to stand, please do so in uh, regard for the reading of God's Word. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And we learned that in this morning's children's sermon. They taught us that, didn't they? Yeah. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Father, please, please, oh please, bless the reading of your word. We pray you are honored by it, and the impact in our lives will bring glory to your name. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Just interesting to point out that Luke opens his gospel account with joy, and he closes it with joy. We just read in two, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, about the joy. And now in Luke 24, verses 50 through 53, Here's what we hear at the end of his gospel. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, well, excuse me, for 2.10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Then he, and verse uh, 50, uh, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So we see at the arrival of Christ and at the departure of Christ, there is the message of joy. Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. Fear not, I have good news for you this morning. That good news is full of great joy, amen? That good news full of great joy is not bad news, just good news. Good news of great joy. The only bad news in the good news is for those who don't accept the good news. Biblical, God-given, Holy Spirit-empowered joy only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's look first at the point, the preaching point, joy in our salvation. The joy in our salvation. This is joy received. It's inseparable for unto us, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Joy and salvation are intimately connected. Isaiah prophesied at the coming of the Messiah in chapter 12 of his book, and one that is often not mentioned in the Christmas story. But let me read verses 3 through 6 of Isaiah chapter 12. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Have you drawn from water from the wells of salvation this morning? Have you drawn from the well of, of life-giving water? Remember the woman at the well? She was going to go home thirsty again. And Jesus said, not if you drink my water. Amen. Not if you drink my water. And Isaiah said, with joy you will draw from the water 
uh, from the wells of salvation. But wait, in Psalm 51, David says there's a problem. There's a problem. After his sin with adultery with Bathsheba, David cried out, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. You see, I want to, and actually we just had this conversation a little earlier this morning in our prayer time prior to Sunday school, and I didn't realize that I'd actually covered it so extensively, Cliff, so here we go. I'm going to answer all your questions here in just a moment. Sin can block God's flow of joy. Now, it doesn't mean it's not there, but something has damned it up, holding it back. Because joy flows like a stream. It flows like a river. It flows from the transformation that has taken part and taken point in our heart and, 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 and placed. And, and we, we live this life of joy. But you cannot have joy without Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you have joy. So if you're not expressing that joy, if you're not living out that joy, then what's stopping it? What's prohibiting it? It's still there. Like David said, I, uh, I, it's the joy of my salvation that I'm missing. So I challenge you this morning, bust that dam that is letting, uh, holding back the joy through confession, through cleansing. Let the river of joy flow in your life. Joy is an integral part of the Christmas story. And the world with its ways will try to rob you of its liberating power. Remember the first expression of joy was when John the Baptist met Jesus for the first time. And listen to this again. We, we mentioned it last week. They were both, Jesus and John, were both in their mother's womb. John leaped for joy when Jesus entered the room. Hello, folks. Do we react with that same exuberance? Do we react with that same excitement, that same enthusiasm, that same anticipation? Well, Elvis may have left the house, but Jesus is in the room. And we need to live a life of expression of joy that Christ is with us. And what is God with us? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Emmanuel with us. L, God. God with us. How about you? Does Jesus still, I, I, I wrote this down, does Jesus still peg your thrillometer? He should. He should. Guys, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I fear, I fear that it's very easy to become complacent with Christ. We're just so comfortable with, with whatever he provides, whatever he does, we're so comfortable in our environment of worship and praise that it's just like, oh, let's sing another song about Jesus. Guys, we've got to get past that. I'm serious. Because the world is continually trying to suppress that. The world in its ways is trying to crush that. The, everything around us, the world is falling apart. We know that. And we ought to, as people of the living God, rise above that with expressions of joy and gratitude and honor and praise. There is joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Who put it there? 
Well, then kick up your heels, just like John the Baptist. Kick up your heels. Jesus is in the room. In verse 11, again, we go back to the text. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It is a personal gift, and you have to receive it. So joy is first received. Secondly is the proclamation of our joy. The proclamation, and this is joy revealed. I, I know that I've mentioned this before, but uh, uh, if, if you're like me, you already forgot it. I just happened to, you know, stumble across it again for the first time, right? Anybody remember a singer by the name of Don Francisco? Old people. <laughs> he was very popular in the early 1980s, okay, and on up through the 80s, but primarily that was probably in the, somewhat of the peak of his career. Great Christian vocalist, great Christian, but he sang a song, I Got to Tell Somebody. And it's one of the first songs that, that I really clung to as a new believer. I was saved in 1983. So these are the songs that I listened to. And, and John Francisco, I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. And that was the theme of the song. I got to tell somebody. That's the compelling power of the joy of salvation in our lives, folks. If you've got the joy of salvation in your life, you've got to tell somebody. If you're not, that's selfish. That's selfish to have something that precious, that great, that grand, and just keep it to ourselves? That just doesn't sound right, does it? I got to tell somebody. And see, that's the compelling power of the joy of our salvation is we can't help it. It's just going to come out. Through conversation, just conversation, just like saying, well, it, it's cloudy, it, it might rain. We, we freely talk about the weather. We freely talk about the political environment. We freely talk about all these things, but I got to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? Notice the news about Jesus', Jesus birth is not only news, it's good news. And it's not only good news, it's good news of great joy. And it's not only good news of great joy, it's the best news. And it's not only the best news of great joy, it's good news of great joy for all the people. But now will all the people know that this is good news of great joy unless someone tells them? How will we know? How will they know? How will they know? People uh, believe they, they, uh, by hearing of the word of God. We share good news with each other all the time, don't we? When something good happens, we talk about it with our friends at work, at school. We post it on Facebook. When the good news is the birth of a baby, especially, we share it. How many has been showing a picture of a baby on their, on their cell phone? Yeah? And that's good news. That's a good thing. We love to share those things, especially the miracle of birth. And we're filled with joy at the birth of a child. And that joy naturally leads us to proclamation. We want everybody to know that we have a new baby. That's a good thing. But it's not the best of things. Well, if we tell everybody about the birth of our own babies, how much more should we proclaim the birth of God's son? Good news is for sharing. And there's no better news than the news the angel shared with the shepherds on the first Christmas Eve. I quote again, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. When the shepherds heard this good news of great joy... 
They also heard it was for all people. Well, if it's for all people, then we got to tell somebody. We got to tell somebody what Jesus is doing for me. And after they had checked it out for themselves, what'd they do? They told somebody. They told somebody. This was good news of great joy for all people, and it would have been wrong for them to keep it to themselves. Joy leads to proclamation. Good news of great joy comes from a good and great God. A good and great God gives good and great things. Great joy, great mercy, great love, great grace. Listen to what Peter says about joy. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. Just think about that. We get to express that which is inexpressible. We get to tell the love story of God for us in a, in a comprehensive, a comprehensible way, which is incomprehensible. We get to give all this information which no man can understand apart from the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And once they receive that good news of great joy, they got to tell somebody too. Go tell it on the mountain. Don't hide it in the valley. Joy in our salvation. Joy in our proclamation. And point number three, there's joy in our adoration. Joy revered. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see, joy expresses itself in worship and praise also. Showing reverence for the Lord because he alone is worthy of all honor, praise, and glory. Once again, this begins before Jesus was ever born. Let's listen to the song of Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped the servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offsprings forever. Mary burst forth in praise and worship when she found out she was pregnant. The heavens burst forth with praise at the announcement of his birth. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Simeon's response when Jesus was presented in the temple and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to the people of Israel. So every time someone meets the Lord Jesus Christ, they burst forth in praise and worship. 
It's compelling, just like sharing the good news. I'm telling you, folks, and I may step on a toe here. I may. I'm getting real close. But you cannot praise God like this. I don't care how hard you try. You cannot praise God like this. You can't do it. He jerks your hands out of your pocket, and he may not lift them high, but he's going to do something with them. It's an expression of our heart. And there are all kinds of, of attitudes of worship, and the physical posture is not necessarily important, but there is something about a frown on your face that doesn't exhibit the joy of your salvation. It just doesn't. So people say, well, I don't know. I just have trouble smiling. Then I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. Because once you come to know Jesus, sadness cannot overrule it. Sorrow cannot rob you of it. Pain cannot diminish its power. Sorrow, grief, pain, sickness, illness, loss, all of these things hurt. They hurt and we suffer through them, but they cannot have my joy. They can't have it because God has sealed it in my heart through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. When darkness comes, the joy of the Lord will be my strength and will be your strength. When sorrow comes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When trials and temptation come, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When pain and suffering come, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When loneliness is overwhelming, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So how do you live joyfully in a bah humbug world? Jesus. Jesus. That's how you live joyfully in a bah humbug world. I am here to tell you that the psalmist says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Adversity cannot win over you. The devil cannot have you. Discouragement cannot prevail. Fear not. Fear cannot control. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hope, love, joy. Next week, peace. Peace. My friends, my brothers and sisters, to that one who may be lost this morning in this assembly, I got good news of great joy for you. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Do you know him? Hope, love, joy has a name. Can everybody say it? It's so sweet. Jesus. Jesus the name that is above all other names, and that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Where will you be on that day? Where will you be on that day? In the praise room or the panic room? Because when that day comes, those who don't know him will forever be separated from him. And those who do know him will be proclaiming and praising. Joy. Joy. Not happiness. Not circumstantial. Joy stands alone 
stands alone in the believer's life as a result of a transformed heart. Joy comes with salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? I remember one time a long time ago. I shouldn't even share this probably, but it's too late. I had somebody leave the church because I talked too much about salvation. Tragic, isn't it? Tragic. For someone to be upset because a preacher just kept telling people how to be saved. Well, brothers and sisters, if you are likened to that person, you might as well leave now because I'm going to keep telling you how to be saved. <laughs> because you see, it's the joy. It's the joy. You can't stop. You just can't stop. When someone shares with you that their father just died, when someone shares with you that their mother's dying, when someone shares with you that, that they're going to be held incarcerated for the next year and a half, when someone shares those things with you, you know what you do? You tell them how much Jesus loves them. You tell them how much Jesus cares. You tell them that it doesn't matter where you are, you can still have joy. You can still have joy. And I'm not saying it's easy. I am not saying that it doesn't come with its challenges. And there's sometimes we got to look deep. We got to look deep and just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, show it to me one more time. I know it's in there. I know it's in there. Just take me to that place. You know what he will? He will. And we'll sit back and we say, there it is. I had it all along. I had it all along because I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. Not because of anything that I did, but because of all that he has done. Not because of my goodness, because I don't have any. But because of his goodness and his greatness. Because of his sacrifice, he paid a debt that he didn't owe. Mine. My debt. He paid it. It's called a sin debt. And I was so in debt, <laughs> I'll guarantee you I was in debt. I was bankrupt. Bankrupt. My account was empty. And you know what Jesus deposited in my account? Listen to this. This is good. This, this is biblical stuff. He took my filthy rags and put in his righteousness. How about that? What a deal. There is nothing in the economy of any world that can match that. To a bankrupt sinner with nothing to bring but filthy rags, he took it, he bore it on the cross, he paid my debt to the Father and maxed out my account with his righteousness. All when I said, help, Help me, Lord. And now, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? 
Oh, come on. I got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart too. Let's stand. If you were trying to sing that song and you just didn't feel it, come up here. I want to tell you how to get it. Let's all sing, please. And whatever your need is this morning, once again, whether it's to come to the altar and pray, but it may be that you're making the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life, a decision of life or death. Come this morning and meet personally the Jesus of Christmas. I'll introduce you to him. I know him. He's a good friend of mine. 